Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod, brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and proud to be the CEO, President, and Founder of the Chamber. Please join us for this empowering podcast every Thursday at 6 p.m. Good morning again, everyone. Are we still with us? Everyone's here? Yes, yes we're still moving. Excellent. So, pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Kim Coomber Hallam, and I work for BP. Uh, very honored to be here, honored to be a member of the Executive uh, Council and Board for Women's Mobile or the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce for the last three years now. And at VP, I have just recently taken over a new role as the head of workplace solutions for the Americas. So I'm very honored. Um, But I am very, very honored to be introducing an amazing group of women um, for a panel focused on innovation. Um, And simply put, innovation is crucial to the continuing success of any organization. You think of those words, it's at the heart of everything we do. Um, So um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce the panel. Um, But before I do that, I also want to make note, um, as we're um, commending some of the support staff that we've had here today, for the amazing women that actually were with us setting up our breakfast this morning. BP uh, is a very proud sponsor of our breakfast. And we had Alma and Arlene here with us. And they're pulling down um, all the catering. But I just want to acknowledge how hard they work to uh, put on uh, a sustainable, you will see kind of the, um, you know, the um, the sustainable cutlery and all the rest, and also uh, a healthy breakfast this morning for everyone. So if you see them on the way out, please give them a little bit of a round of applause. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to get into um, announcing our panels. First off, we have Morag Watson, and I will welcome you to the stage, Morag. Morag um, Watson has 30 years as a global senior executive leader in the energy sector. What do you want, and um, is, um, yes, over 30 years of a global sector executive leader in the energy um, sector and possesses deep expertise in the energy value chain as well as in digital and technology. Not only did Morag lead in the digital innovation business, she continues to passionately mentor and sponsor talent. Morag spent most of her career at BP, where she powerfully led across the globe and is very passionate about DE&I, STEM, innovation, and disruptive technology. Noteworthy moment, Morag was a passionate executive sponsor to BP America's Women's Network, a global executive supporting BP's, BP's Women's Network mission and vision, and is the recipient of many, many energy-recognized awards. Morag is currently acting as a distinguished board advisor to a number of startups. Please welcome Morag Watson. So I have Erica Walk. Erica, where are you? Erica, Erica, Miss Erica, come on down. Uh, Erica is the senior director of digital, where she leads technology services and digital foundation teams, enabling business transformation while providing technology solutions through a culture of innovation and sustainability. Erica is the co-chair of the Women's Empowerment Group for WM's corporate entity. 
She leads key initiatives to support professional and career development, further closing the gender parity gap in leadership positions. Erica inspires young girls and women to enter STEM fields through volunteering with organizations like Girls Who Code and Girls Empowerment Network. She is the two-time recipient of the Role Model of the Year presented by the Greater Houston Women Chamber of Commerce in 2019 and 2021. Welcome, Erica. Now we're going to hand it off to Rashida Kapar. Where are you, Rashida? Rashida, there you are. Rashida Kapar currently serves as the Vice President of Engineering for the Texas region at Comcast, where she is responsible for the implementation of initiatives to promote more network reliability and foster fast-paced growth. She previously served as the Area Vice President for Technical Operations and the Director of Customer Experience. Her love for the industry is that no two days throughout her 23-year career have been the same. <laughs> and Emily, Emily Reiser, going to move over and make some space. Dr. Emily Reiser is the Associate Director of TMC Innovation. She has worked with over 200 founders, each focused on commercializing technology across digital health, medical device, and oncology therapeutics. Emily earned a bachelor degree in biology from Emory University and a PhD in bioengineering from Rice University, focused on drug delivery for cancer um, immunotherapy. Throw the big word, right? <laughs> Medical. Welcome, Emily. And then lastly, we have our moderator, Anna Frizzetto. There's lots of connections here to Jeanette Marks, and Anna is one of them as well. Um, so as Global Chief Revenue Officer at AirSwift, Anna Frizzato is an IT solutions strategist whose digital transformation and data analytics expertise guides businesses of all sizes and industries from leading global enterprises to fast-growing startups. Prior to joining AirSwift, Anna was president and chief Techno digital technology officer for Nash Tech Global, part of the Harvey Nash PLC group, and led outsourced and on offshore software development teams in North America and the ASPAC region. Frazetto had, or Anna, very corporate, is personalized, but Anna has been on staffing industry analyst Global Power 150 Women in Staffing List for five consecutive years and was named as the SIA's top 50 DE&I influencers. She is a regular contributor to CIO.com and sits on the Forbes Technology Council. Welcome to the panel. Well, this is fantastic. I'm super excited about being able to moderate this panel. And um, I have uh, Teresa watching me like a hawk to make sure that we're on time. So we will, we will uh, quickly uh, get started. Uh, why don't we just jump in? I usually like to share a couple of stats and figures to kind of help set the foundation. Before. Oh, there you go. See? <laughs> no. 
Okay, we're going to rewind. Um, so don't let that time count for me now. <laughs> okay, I'm super excited about um, obviously being here. What I like to do before we get started is kind of share a couple of but stats and figures. It kind of helps set the foundation for our discussion. So actually, Kendra um, alluded to one of the stats, uh, which is always incredible. Uh, the uh, BLS says that the pay equity gap, it will take 132 years to be able to close that gap. So I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm going to be here in 132 <laughs> years. Uh, so that's pretty scary. So what can we do to be able to try to expedite that within our organizations and with the, with all that we do? Also, secondly, on average, there's 8% less women than men in the total workforce. So pretty impressive. It's it's kind of equal when you look at it, but the number rockets to a 76% gap when you start considering the energy sector or the tech sector. So that's remarkable as far as the gap in those two areas. Also, men account for 79% of the C-suite roles. And if you look at CEOs in Fortune 500, that balloons to 93%. And now if you start going into the figures as far as, you know, women of color, you really start getting into the real small percentage numbers. So staggering numbers. Why do I share these stats? Because I think when we talk about innovation, there's a strong correlation to productivity. There's lots of studies. McKinsey had a great study a few years ago that showed companies that had very diverse teams were more productive on average by 33%. So that's why it's so important as we're looking to drive innovation. Innovation also separates us from our competition. So why don't we get started and talk about talent? Um, I'd like to start, Emily, uh, maybe if you can talk a little bit about how do we build a pipeline of new talent into our organizations and how do we retain the talent that we have in place? Wonderful. Thank you, Anna. I think uh, talent is at the center of everything that we all do, and that's really true in the startup space. Sometimes you have a single founder or a two-person team, or you're just starting a company from scratch, or you're building a growing team, or you're starting the first U.S. headquarters. Those are a lot of the things that we think about all the time. And the, the core piece is who are the talent on our team that are supporting those work, and who are the talent that we're bringing into the community to actually take these products to market. And what we've really been focusing on over the last few years is opening up the referral pipeline. Many of these roles still come in through referrals and they're trusted parts of our network. There are entrepreneurs referring other entrepreneurs, you know, hires referring other people to hire. But when we think about who are those referrals coming from, we need, we need to make sure that we're asking for referrals from a diverse group of people. Certainly diversity on all sides and spectrums. So definitely race, but also in terms of technology, in terms of experience, in terms of, you know, how they approach uh, really building their networks. And so that's been our approach to finding companies to work with, to finding people to hire, to finding entrepreneurs to bring into our community. How do we ensure that our referral pipeline is diverse and is accessing networks that, you know, our small team doesn't have access to because of, you know, where we are geographically or what we look like? That's been a real focus for us. And we've seen a big increase in access to new talent pools and diverse entrepreneurs that have come into our community because of it. Great. Thank you, Emily. Erica, maybe you can share some of the innovation ideas, right, that you've implemented to help retain talent. Absolutely. So as we talk about retention of talent as well as attracting new talent, 
for me, the priority first is retaining the talent because we know it's very difficult to be able to attract. And it's important that we value the employees that are actually currently there and providing value. So one of the things that we have done, one of the things that I've done to hold um, not only myself, but my team accountable and my directs, which I have probably a large majority of male uh, leaders, but that is changing because we that I'm forcing them to have a responsibility to not only expand um, their slate with women, but to also look at the pipeline and allow themselves to hire women in these roles. We've had several excuses in the past that the pipeline isn't there, there aren't women. This room is an example that there are women in technology. We are everywhere and we have to no longer accept excuses that the talent pipeline is not available. In doing so, the second part of this is in terms of retention, we've also, when I see women that are within my organization that may not have had leadership opportunities or sitting, I call them hidden figures, standing behind the curtain, um, I really try to bring them forward. And so one example, there was a young lady, she's been uh, in the role for as a SQL DBA. She was a DBA probably for close to 15 years. And I told her, I said, this is not acceptable. You have to come forward and be able to do something different. And she was very shy. She didn't have the level of confidence. And it's because she's had leaders who didn't really encourage her really didn't build that level of confidence. And now she is in a managerial role. She is soaring in that space. She has basically really built that level of confidence and she continues to encourage others. So I really believe it's it's all about just each one helping one to get them. The power of mentorship, right? That's been a theme throughout, Absolutely. throughout the day. Well, all right, maybe you can spend a little bit of time. I know when we spoke earlier, you talked about not only diversity in people, but diversity of thought. And maybe you took it on. It is? Yeah. It is. Okay. It's a dangerous thing to give me a microphone and treat people here now. Um, anyway, um, so I, I think that DEI is not only, or diversity is not only associated with higher performing teams, but also it's actually very, very central to innovation. Because if you end up having people that um, are somewhat um, like minded, you don't get innovation. Innovation comes out of when there's um, pressure or when there's um, like war or famine or whatever, or when there is a conflict in ideas. And so it, having people with different ideas, with different experience uh, is crucial to any um, innovation organization. I had the pleasure of leading or of creating our digital innovation office inside BP. And um, it was quite interesting because uh, I really was, it, we were a fantastic team, right? We had so much fun. Because uh, it was just like a crazy time where we were allowed to experiment or we gave people permission to experiment. It became the, the, the team that people really wanted to go to. And so, um, but it was very small and I was a bit picky about who came to work with me. Um, and uh, anyway, so people would always ask me, so, so what do I have to do? What, what's the profile of coming to work for you or coming to work in that team? And I said, I don't know. There is no profile. I only know what I don't have, and I will go for that. So every time I hired into my team, I would hire for whatever I didn't have at that point in time. And that goes to, I really hire for diversity on the inside as opposed to diversity on the outside. So really thinking about what's the experience I don't have? What, how could somebody who comes from a completely different industry 
actually challenge what's going on in the that we're in? How could somebody who's got a completely different set of experiences actually challenge the way we, we think about how we do things? How can we disrupt? How can, how can you bring that together? And what happened was um, we get so fixated, I mean, big corporate like BP, you get fixated on numbers because you can get it drummed into you, whatever you measure, you do, right? Well, what we found was I completely ignored all of that. I hired entirely for what we didn't have and entirely for diversity on the inside instead of on the outside. And guess what? We bust every metric that you could possibly have. So if you actually go for what's in here, you actually get what's on the outside. You actually get the side outcome. And then what happens is you start having a flywheel. Diversity attracts diversity. And it's all about the culture, right? Because people see that they're having fun, that they're really soaring in their jobs, that they uh, work for a great team. There's a great, if you have a diversity, they generally have very strong bonds. People want to work there. So more diversity breeds more diversity. Excellent. Love that point. I'm going to let Rashida add some some uh, color to, to the topic as far as how do you address diversity in 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 teams and people and in organizations. Yes, some great points from our fellow panelists. The only thing that I would add is two things. First and foremost, oftentimes we already have the talent present in our organizations. It's just about how we're looking at it and are we being intentional about how we're looking at the talent. I strongly believe in pull through and looking at, you know, every level of the organization to see what talent is there and looking across my organization to make sure that there's rigor, that all of my leaders have mechanisms in place to not only develop talent, really know their teams, understand where their teams are trying to go career-wise, growth and development-wise, and making sure that there's a, a formal process to pull the talent through and up throughout the organization. The other thing that I would call out is around transferable skills. I think there's an opportunity both on the diversity front as well as the pipeline if we look at our talent differently. I'm a walking, breathing testimony around, you know, transferable skills. I have moved throughout different opportunities and roles that have absolutely nothing to do with each other, as I've heard from some of the earlier panelists. So I think it's very important to be open-minded and have a growth mindset around your talent and really leverage that as an opportunity to grow your business and to move folks across organizations and to really believe in the capabilities of your existing um, people. Excellent points. And when you talk about, you know, talent and pull through, diversity of thought, all excellent points. And it's one of the, I had a conversation with someone during the break and we were talking about, you know, we've been talking about DEI initiatives and women in tech for, oh goodness, for the last 10 years. And what's interesting is that we've spent so much time talking about it. How do you make it actionable? And, and it takes the, these creative ideas, almost flexing muscles that we might not be comfortable with to be able to pull through talent, be able to have diversity of, of thought rising up the talent around us. Let's talk about disruption. I, technology, I view as the nervous system of organizations and kind of at the core of disruption. More, I, maybe you could talk a little bit about disruptive side of innovation and how that's played a role into the culture of the organization. Sure. So anybody uh, who knows me knows that I never do things normally, so I'm just usually disruptive. <laughs> and I, I was actually just re-looking at my um, 
uh, my resume and my career. And looking, I, I, I've never really looked at it through the rearview mirror. And I went all the way back to, uh, I'm a music major, by the way. So this is, I'm asking you to do something But I went back and I looked at everything that I've done and it all has um, disruption and um, innovation and technology at its heart. It didn't matter if it was the most boring job ever, and apologies to any CFOs in here. It's still, I found a way to make it innovative. So I've always been in disruption, and the, the last um, big role I, I was, the um, one I did around disruptive technologies, I was working with uh, things like artificial intelligence and quantum computing and jellyfish robots, which we will not talk about in here, but we can talk about after if you want to know what happened. But really, truly stuff that is going to change the planet. It's going to change, you know, how we work, how we live, how we sleep, whatever. And so um, the, the way that we have um, really thought about the cultural aspect is, is really for you to be able to live in a disruptive world, um, you, you actually have to have a culture that embraces that and allows that. And one of the things that we did that was... Um, as somewhat different to the past was in general, when people look at technology, think of it as in service of something. So generally in, um, in, in corporations, you would say, what are your big challenges? How can technologies help you solve those? How do you think about it? We turned that on its head and said, you know what? You are limiting the business by, by looking at your current challenges because your current challenges, I bet you will get so disrupted by technology that they won't even exist and you're solving for the wrong challenge. And so what we did, we actually adopted a culture which was very around technology first. And uh, some people would accuse it of, oh, you're looking for um, solutions to a problem that you don't know exists. I go, no, I'm looking for problems that you don't know they exist because they're going to make the problems you have today totally irrelevant. And that breeds such a different kind of individual and different kind of thinking. I mean, it is truly liberating if you actually step outside and think of things from the outside in. And again, that liberating organization, that liberating way of thinking, just it changes your culture. I mean, you, you have to have a culture that uh, it tolerates experimentation, that tolerates trying things, learning, bringing it back again. I, n I never think there are failures. I just think there, there's learning points. And in fact, if there aren't um, things that are not going quite as you expected, and you clearly are not pushing the boundaries enough. So I, I think, you know, technology and, and culture, they go hand in hand, right? One supports the other, and you require a very specific culture in order to be successful around technology. Excellent. Thank you. Erica, please share how your digital uh, recognition platform has actually changed your, your organization. Absolutely. So during the pandemic, um, we realized that if anyone knows anything about our business, basically we have about 50% of our employees work in back in offices. And then the other 50% are drivers that are actually on the streets, either picking up waste or trash each and every day. And so we had a gap in the ability to be able to communicate with our frontline, as well as when everyone moved home for the pandemic, we lost that touch, that connection, that personal connection with um, the employees, um, being able to see them each and every day. And so what we found out through a survey is that recognition became one of the key areas that our employees was really longing for. And so seeing that um, actually with the support of the women within my team, as well as other colleagues, 
created a, an employee app that was specifically focused on recognition. And so when we talked about recognition, it wasn't just about cel celebratory events. It was about possibly deaths within their families or life-changing events that may be personal to them so that we really could touch those employees, even though we were in a virtual setting. Now, to many, that may feel like something that's table stakes, but I think it was a challenge because what I found is a lot of men have really big challenges recognizing other men, and but our organization was longing for that. And so being a woman and then women within the organization, pulling them in and allow them to innovate and provide these tools has been very, very resourceful and useful for our company. Very cool. Okay, so let's change the conversation a little bit. Let's talk about technology as an equalizer. So, Emily, I'd like for you to share and with what you shared with us when we had our uh, pre-call as far as how your path and transition and where you are today, your journey. Sure, absolutely. So, I think the message that I want to leave this room is that everybody has an invitation to innovation. No matter who you are, no matter what role you have today, whether you work with people, whether you work with finance, whether you're an engineer, scientist, whatever, there's an opportunity for you to be innovative within your own structure or to break out and to join a startup and do something completely new. So uh, we talked about, I talk a lot with my friends about the revisionist resume, right? When you go backwards in time and you kind of do a path that it makes sense. Oh, of course, like I jump from this to this to this. But, you know, when you were back as a student trying to figure out what to do, you had no idea that your path would end up here. And so in my journey, when I decided to go to graduate school, I didn't think that I was going to be in the entrepreneurship space. I didn't think that I was going to be helping entrepreneurs get access to medical center. Um, but it was through community, through women that I identified with that, you know, I saw myself in, oh, they're entrepreneurs. Oh, I can go do that too. That was my access point into learning about business and to figuring out how to go build companies in science. And so that community really took me in a whole new career direction that I wasn't even planning on doing, but kept opting into. And so that path really took me to this new place where by the time I left graduate school, it was obvious to me that, of course, I would go help this surgeon get her company off the ground. Uh, she had been practicing for 25 years and she had beat all the odds as a, you know, short brown woman training at Mayo Clinic, like back in the day. And she had, you know, built this device that looked really interesting. Of course, I want to go help make that a reality. And so helped her launch that company and then joined the accelerator. And again, as you say it backwards, of course I did that. Of course I did that. But, you know, back when I was making a decision at the beginning, it didn't feel that way. So my my invitation to all of you is to, to find community, to take that one step um, and to participate in innovation because it may take you in great new directions that you didn't expect. Excellent. Thank you, Emily. Rashida. How about you share your journey and your career path and how you transitioned from different roles? Sure. And rather than talk about the 10 different jobs and doing tears, <laughs> I'll talk about just the influences on my career. So my mom um, was in the telecommunications and um, technology industry. And as a result of that, all three of her daughters ended up in this industry. Um, I had the opportunity to have exposure to it very early on, talking young child. And so um, I think that really opened up the door. I do believe in exposure. I know that that helps to determine your path forward oftentimes, but that's really what opened up the door for me. 
She was a trailblazer. She was uh, a black woman, actually a uh, Afro-Latina, who um, created the first black resource group at the company that she worked for, which is what I then joined. Um, so that was that was number one table stakes. From then on, uh, my company at the time was moving into new technology around fiber optics, and I was not operating in that space. And I realized that if I didn't get on board and really conquer my fears and step out of my comfort zone to step step deeper into the technology space that I I felt like I would be left behind. And I think that that was probably the most pivotal point in my career, if I was to say anything, is to step out of my comfort zone, which opened up every door thereafter. If you would have asked me 23 years ago if I would be sitting here as the VP of engineering for Comcast, uh, Houston, um, Texas region, I would tell you you're lying. I didn't see it. Uh, I just wasn't in my gym back then. But I, I, I definitely love it, and I'll tell you a little bit why. Um, my second influence, or my third influence, was when I decided to go out into a field operations role. Up until that point, I was behind the scenes doing a lot of support-type roles, and this really got me out there. I was one, one of two women at the time, two Black females, who stepped out and uh, instead of going into a call center role, which is what was being pitched to me at the time, I was like, no, I want to actually prove to myself that I could do this field role. And that literally is what put me on the path to being here today. I did a lot of other things in between. Um, in 2020, I was in Colorado running a, a field operations for the state. And um, at that time with Comcast, I, what I really learned, my passion was, was connecting with people, accomplishing things through large teams as well as not just you know, influencing um, through our business one customer at a time, because we really do connect our customers to the things that matter most in their lives. We're talking about education, work, I mean, you name it. And so what I really realized is that if I really wanted to influence in that space, I would take on a broader, more impactful role in engineering, because in that space, you're building out to tens and thousands of customers. You're restoring service for tens and thousands of customers at a time. And you're also making sure that we have a reliable network in this particular role. And so that's a little bit about the influences in my journey. And, you know, I'm just happy to be in this space. Fantastic. I would, I would hope, yes, I'm getting the big five from <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> um, I, I think the, the message that you're hearing from everybody is the fact of, you know, don't get in your head. And I think that's been the theme all day, right? Step out of your comfort zone and don't just do it. Just do it. Don't don't hesitate. Just go out and do it. OK, so what we're going to do, since we only have five minutes really quick, we're going to go. Um, I'll start with you, Emily, kind of closing thoughts and leave the audience with a power word to focus on for 2023. Again, I think it's invitation. Invite yourself to the table and invite others to pull up with you and to help catapult them. Um, we're hiring for entrepreneur in residence right now, and there's 90% men applying. And so, you know, don't get pressure with that. I'm going out, I'm proactively reaching out to my network, asking for referrals, you know, reaching out to women who I think would be great candidates. No problem, right? So invite people into your world and invite yourself to level up and to do the thing that scares you. So I'm going to start with my power word first, because I think it's a, it's a segue into what I would like to leave you all with. So fearlessness. So I encourage you all to step out 
and really make, have those conversations, the courageous conversations. Connect with someone that you know can actually help support your career and sponsor you. For the women that are here that have shattered those glass ceilings, I encourage you to bring another woman up with you. I always say we once we shatter those glass ceilings, we don't want to be the only women standing on the glass floor alone. So that's my message to you. Excellent. Love it. Yes, and I'll start with my panel work as well. Mine is grit. So for me, that's been a constant theme throughout my career. And um, as far as my message to you, it's really just around, you know, being that that supporter, that person that's going to advocate for others, especially when they're not in the room, and to just continue to build up your muscle and believe in yourself that you can jump into whatever it is that you choose. This is the challenge of going last, so I'll just have to do a quick song instead. <laughs> so my power word was going to be jellyfish, but that doesn't sound very empowering. So my power word is actually fun. Uh, and the reason I say that is because life's too short and if you're not having fun, you know, you need to move on. And that 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 goes back into a, a theme that's coming out here about um, taking risks, about pushing yourself. And I, I remember at, at one point in my career, there's like four or five pivotal points in my career. One of them was I'd done this, um, uh, I'd invented something inside BP. It was amazing. I got known for it. Nobody would let me out of that after that. It was like, you were known as the hive lady and it was going to be that forevermore. So I, I got to the point where I was like, going to have to leave because there's nothing else in this company I can do uh, because upstream is the only part of the company because nothing else exists, you know, all that kind of stuff. I went to lunch and they said, well, wait, there's other bits to our company. You know, we do have a nutrition department. Like, so I went to London, I met a whole bunch of people. I got offered 15 jobs within three days. I put them in three buckets. The ones that I politely said, yeah, yeah, I don't, I, uh, maybe next, I don't want to do that. basically the jobs I didn't want to do. Then there was um, the jobs that I knew I kind of should do, but they're kind of a bit boring. And then there was three jobs that scared the freaking daylight out of me. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do one of those scary jobs. Out of the three, I picked the one that was the most scary. And I, I basically did it. I knew nothing about it. It was in that a part of the company I didn't know, it was in finance, it was in a part, you know, completely part of the company. And I was like, I can't fail. They all know I know nothing about it. Yeah. If, I, if they are giving me the job, then it's all upside. If I do anything in this job, I'm going to go for that job. And it paid off my head. So take the risk. It's not a risk. Just go for it. Next one. So let's say power fearlessness, invitation, and I leave you with the word focus. Don't lose focus, stay the course, go after your dreams. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. So much for joining us. We will see you again next Thursday at 6 p.m. For more information about the Chamber and our podcast, please visit us at ghwcc.org.